Hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to the sixth season of this podcast, Make Joy Normal, with my co-hosts Elizabeth and Christina and our guests. We hope to support you while you seek joy in your daily walk. Please review, like, or share this podcast if it's helped you to make joy normal in your own life. Good afternoon to all our listeners and welcome to Elizabeth. I'm so glad you're here and you've got some questions. So um, so that's awesome. Should we start with a little prayer? I'd love that. Okay. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you bring Elizabeth and I together to uh, encourage moms, um, encourage them to to uh, relax about their homeschooling life and to enjoy it more and to make it uh, make it joyful and and uh, full of life like the way they imagined that it was going to be. In Jesus' name we pray. In the name of the Father Amen. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I like your background, by the way, your quilt. Thank you. It's a quilt. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in a new office. Wanted it. It was a little bit echoey. And so I put up a curtain and I put up a quilt and it seems to have really helped. So, Yeah, well, it's lovely. Thank you. <laughs> did you make it or did you? No, no, I am not much of a uh, crafty sort of person <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, I think my mom bought it. It, might, it's, it looks homemade, but I think my mom bought it somewhere. Um, yeah. But it was hers. Yeah. So I love all the homemade looking Me stuff. Too, I feel yeah. like eventually if I can afford it, my house is just going to be like eclectic homemade. Yeah. Antique stuff. I know it's and it seems to just blend like, you know what I mean? If you put a bunch of homemade antique, you know, shabby chic stuff together, it just seems to work. Right. Yeah, yeah. I exactly. So you had some questions that you had sent me a couple of weeks ago, I think. That yes. had thought, I don't remember anything about it, but I remember that you sent me some. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was just from experience because um, we read um, for history. We're doing Pioneers and Patriots this year. I don't know. Oh, nice. I've heard good things about it. Yeah. yeah it, it's great. Um, and at the end of each, like, I don't know if they're called chapters, lessons, however you want to label them. They're, they're discussion right. questions, study questions, activity options and stuff. Right. Okay. Um, and usually I just kind of read it like a read aloud and then we'll just kind of discuss the questions together. And it's usually why the right. kids are building with blocks or magnet tiles or something yeah. um, just to kind of make it less mundane, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it kind of, dawned on me because I saw that one of the suggested activities was that um, the students should give an oral report on one of the three men that we had read about in that lesson that day. Right. And I've never actually had my kids do that. We've we've discussed things. They're usually very good um, with reading comprehension. I've never had them formally write or give oral reports. And part of it is anytime I've kind of tried stuff like that with, with boys, it's, you know, they, they do a halfway, they do like a halfway done job, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of always think, okay, well, high school is really the time that, you know, will be a little bit more, um, I guess, forceful with that kind of stuff. But I can't help but, you know, we've talked about this enough, feeling like they're behind. And so what are your thoughts? Did your kids do oral reports, you know? Well, yeah, that's a great question. We had 
I did a lot of speech arts with my kids just because it's kind of my vibe. And I really like to do that sort of thing. And I think it's really fun to do sort of speech arts, drama related kind of activities with kids. Uh, so was it an oral report? Not really, but certainly there was, there was uh, things that would kind of fall into that category for sure. And I do think it's a really good skill to have because when you go out into the w- big wide world and you need to do a job interview or you need to, you know, go to post-secondary and some of your classes will require an oral presentation, it's kind of a good idea to have some background on that. Do we have to force them to do it at eight or nine or 12? You know, probably not. But what I found was that it was something that I thought made a great co-op activity. So I did that in a in the context of co-op. So did I did I get them to do it to prove to me that they understood the material? No, never. Uh, but we would do speech arts type activities, which I can kind of get into a little bit if you're interested uh, in different ways. And I would have a group of kids over. And so for me, what was meaningful about that is to make it really fun and make it supportive in the sense that they're doing this with their fun, this fun activity with their friends and they're accomplishing the goal of, because an oral port always requires writing, right? So, so anything you do orally is also written. And so you're learning the skill of writing and speaking at the same time. And sometimes you write your outline and you you know, make a speech or whatever from your outline, or sometimes you develop a speech and you can turn that speech into an essay really easily because you've got an outline for a speech, right? It's a very uh, cohesive kind of activity and sometimes attractive to kids who don't really want to write so they can write an outline and then they can present it, right? But they have to do a certain amount of writing to do that. So it was one of the things that I felt like was just a really great activity to do together with another couple of families, get kids of various ages together, get them supporting each other and enjoying each other's company. But it would always start with games, right? So for me, it was always a, um, we would get together and we'd first of all start off by playing some goofy sort of word game or uh, skit type game. Or I would do something like, I would say to the kids, uh, okay, everybody needs to bring a type of hat, right? And they would all bring some kind of hat. And then they would get together and I would say, I'd put them in groups of maybe three. And I'd say, okay, you have to develop a story that somehow uses your hat. Okay. And you're going to do a skit. So I'm going to give you half an hour to work on it. Of course, it was silly and goofy and fun, but it's the first step in an oral presentation. Okay. So it's right? like improv. Exactly. Kind of like improv, but they have a few minutes to kind of get it together. Sometimes we would do actual improv where I might give them a word or a, uh, or a sentence or an object and say, uh, okay, you need to develop uh, a skit around this. You two work together. You two work together. And, and one, one of the things that was really important to me was, you know, you may not criticize, right? You may not call other people down. We're, we're all supporting each other here. And so that just didn't happen. It was really, really clear about that, that everything that we do for writing, which and including speech arts and oral presentations and all of that, we do with clarity and charity. And that was the, that was the foundation on which I built that. So I had kids come back year after year to do 
to do speech arts and writing with me because, uh, you know, we had a vibe, right? We, we had an enjoyable time and we, you know, it was just, it was just fun and, and cool. Right. And we also learned a lot of skills. So it started off with just kind of fun and games, but then there would always be something very skill related. And I would have something specific in my mind that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then we would, end off with, you know, something fun. And I always, one of the things I've always found about co-ops is that you always need to give the kids time to play. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have a couple of families that you might be able to work with where, you know, the moms maybe even take turns like, okay, well, I might be good at teaching them how to recite a poem. Uh, and mm-hmm. I might be good at, uh, you know, doing a little improv with them or, or, you know, playing a, a some kind of a word game or whatever, and kind of use each other's strengths. For me, that was just something I really loved to do. So I would just invite people to to come and join us. <laughs> Excuse me, but the primary reason was so I would do it with my own kids. So that was really yeah. the motivating factor for me is that if I if I make it a, a co op where we meet once a week or whatever, then I'm going to do it with my own kids. I'm going to tell you. I don't know if I've told you about this before, but one of the sort of I really like camp style learning where you go for a week mm-hmm. and you, you do horseback riding for a week or you do uh, a, a writing workshop for a week or, you know, various other, there's so many ways that that can look, you know, uh, lab sciences, right? People, most people are so afraid of lab sciences, but if you, if mm-hmm. you kind of got your, gathered your resources and, and a couple of parents that were interested in doing this as well and did a bunch of lab science over the course of a week that got together every day or for four days or something, you could accomplish a year's worth of lab sciences because, you know, you sort of, without it being this big ordeal, like I have to set up all my stuff every time and what am I going to do that you sort of plan it out. So so camp style learning was really attractive to me. So I did that several times with writing and with speech arts uh, just because I thought it was really valuable. So one of these camps, I was actually, the focus was on manners, right? And so we had this camp style learning and within it, there was lots of sort of speech arts, like how to address, how to address a bishop, how to address, you know, an older couple that you're meeting for the first time. How would you talk to a stranger? What would you do if you were at a wedding? Uh, What would be a kind of appropriate behavior? If you were sitting at a table and somebody new walked up, uh, you know, what would you do? Uh, and so gave them some tools so that they would be able to then mm-hmm. know instead of sort of, you know, awkwardly staring at the floor, like most teenagers do, that you would say, oh, hi, my name's so-and-so. Um, would you like to sit down? We can make room for you or, or whatever. Do you know these people or, how, you know, why are you here? Ways to kind of make conversation. This is a, a massive skill that we're so lacking in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so that was, so there was a lot of speech oh, and yes. kind of, yeah. for lack of a better word, oral presentation that went into that, but it was all focused on manners. And at the end, they sort of put on a dinner and they had all their parents mm-hmm. over and the set table was all set properly and they greeted everybody at the door and showed them to their seat. And so it was a really fun project. And I think, so, I think we can accomplish what we would think of as the oral report that we all dreaded in school. Uh, in so so many more uh, so much better and in yeah. more fun ways uh, if we can just kind of think outside the box with it right what is the goal of an oral report I mean most of us 
doing an oral report in school wouldn't be able to yeah. answer that question. What, to humiliate me? Because <laughs> it's kind of what it feels like. But really, it's to gain confidence to be able to speak in front of people, <laughs> right. right? To be able to speak to strangers, to be yeah. able to to know how to stand. There's many ways we can accomplish that without having to do an oral report on a historical character. You know, first of all, let them pick something they like, right? Like jujitsu or whatever. Let them pick pick something they really are passionate about, and then say, you know, just start with, uh, can you can you tell us about that? Can you introduce yourself? Can you tell us? Can you introduce yourself and tell us one interesting thing about uh, things you like to do? Right. Or one interesting thing about your family yeah. and kids. So if we can make it really comfortable for them. Right. So so it accomplishes the same thing. thing. So do is it important? Yes. Is yeah. it necessary to do it in that way? No. You just made me think I have a story. My uh, second born son, he's nine and a half and his piano recital. It's it's just very small. It's in my in his piano teacher's living room. Right. And there's a couple other families. And so they usually have to, in a sense, present you know what is their name what are they gonna be playing and stuff and my son gets up and he said my name is Henry and I'm nine years old and I have five so like he was just kind of listing his his background with confidence so I guess he's got a little bit in his that's awesome so he may be the kid like say Liam is never kind of just never into Mm -hmm. it right even if you have friends over, whatever he's reticent to help and or to participate or yeah. whatever, uh, there may be other things you can do to sort of bring that out in him. You know, put him in a drama camp or or whatever. Right? There's lots of ways of of doing that. But Henry might be the kid when he's ten, eleven, twelve that that you say, "Hey, I want to have some people over, and we're going to do uh, we're going to do some." Uh, dramatic monologues, or we're going to do some poetry recitation, or uh, we're going to do speeches, or something that that he might think, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah. And also blending that with writing, uh, I think, is a really, really good idea as well, right? Just because the two are so compatible, and you can go back and forth. And it's important for people to understand that that speaking is writing, writing is speaking. That's <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. 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 I think um, when I was thinking of the question, like y- you just gave great insight and I think good alternatives to the idea of an oral presentation. Um, but I was also, I think, thinking, you know, because the, the question that I was specifically talking about was, you know, give an oral presentation on either of the three, you know, people discussed in the chapter. And I read that and I thought, I couldn't even do this. And I think maybe because I think so black and white, like it's expected right now right. without, you know, doing a little bit more research and writing, you know, but yeah, I just, you know, I love history, but as, as the history teacher to my kids, I just think this is a fire hose of information, you know? Yeah. And how, how do you filter that to what is, what is important? What is good just to touch on so that they just have that. So years from now when they hear, you know, a name, they can think, Oh, I remember hearing about him in history, you know? Exactly. And some kids are going to be like sponges with history. Some kids are like that with math. Some kids are like that with science. Not very many kids are like that with everything, Mm -hmm. but there's the odd kid who is right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we get, especially in a history type book, we get so much information 
all at once, which is probably why I've always leaned towards kind of literature based stuff. So they get to know the characters kind of in a more personal or intimate way. Uh, but some of them are actual characters in history or, you know, watching a really good movie. And sometimes, sometimes that's a really good way to, to do, to kind of ramp down the sort of the fire hose approach. First of all, I think yeah. kids all are going to pick up stuff at different ages, right? So you're going to revisit this down the road, the same era. You're going to revisit down the road and they're going to pick up more and maybe use different resources or maybe use the same resources or whatever, but they're going to pick stuff up along the way. But uh, sometimes a really good historical movie or a really good uh, novel is going to kind of support the learning of that era. Even the the cultural or like maybe not even the characters, uh, but say, for example, you read a couple of novels set in the Middle Ages, they're going to have such a good concept, uh, even though a book has maybe told them this is how they did things in the Middle Ages. This is the kinds of clothes they wore. This is the kind of food they ate. This is kind of how the poor people lived. This is how the rich people lived. In the context of a novel, it's probably going to come alive for them in a whole different way. And again, kid dependent. Some kids are going to grab all of that information from a nonfiction book. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Some of the more we can introduce stuff, or if you can go, you know, go to a museum that has a, um, you know, relates to the historical era that you're studying or whatever, just, it's just so great. Even if it's mm -hmm. not even the same year, like say, for example, you're studying American history and, and the following year you go to some museum or the year before you, you went to some living history museum or something. It's amazing what they pick up in those environments and suddenly it's all relevant. Yeah. Right. And they put, start to put the pieces mm -hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. That that's yeah. very true. I, I actually am amazed at how my kids absorb information and it just goes to show that I'm losing my memory. <laughs> oh. Or yeah. the ability to to retain yeah. information. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. Like when I was a kid, we didn't memorize anything. That was just not part of the 70s and 80s school vibe. And I don't know if they do memory work now. Probably in some private schools they do. But my kids all did memory work. I felt it was really, really important. And they all have pretty remarkable memories. And they would mem memorize, you know, huge swaths of poetry and, and often on their own too, right? That they would just mm -hmm. uh, do it for fun because I think it was just something interesting to do, right? And cha challenging to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I just, I am floored. Albert and I both are just floored by what our kids remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's incredible. And, you know, I... I struggle with the teaching, the poetry. Right. It's, I, I mean, in the nineties, we didn't do memorization work either in grade school. Um, right. But right. I recognize like with one of my sons playing piano, he's doing a lot of memorization. My husband introduced my kids to Brian Reagan. Are you no. familiar with, he's, he's like a clean comedian. Okay. Doesn't use foul language or anything okay. like that. Um, and my kids have been memorizing his comedy routines and repeating Love them. It. And, you know, it's like kids just kind of pick up yeah. on stuff like that music. My daughter loves her Tony yeah. box and, you know, has all these songs memorized, Amazing. whether or not she has the words correct yeah. to what she actually heard. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Because that was another thing we did in speech arts is I would let the boys in particular really gravitated towards this. I would let them 
do skits they had memorized from some yeah. comedian on YouTube or whatever, right? And and they just thought that was hilarious yeah. to be able to, you know, redo yeah. the skit, uh, comedy skit, right? That's a good idea. I I just struggle in particular with Brian Reagan because I don't like the way he talks. Oh, really? Yeah, he does this like really like stupid sounding voice to for like the whole routine. Oh, okay. And I don't know why that irks me. My husband's that would said, bother me. <laughs> well, it it does bother me. But my husband said, Elizabeth, you like Jim Carrey. How is this any different? <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess we all have the people that make us laugh and don't yeah. and you know I just try and make a point not to deny my kids their interests if they're you know neutral right yeah, exactly yeah so. yeah no that's that's super fun um there's a book you've probably heard me mention it before uh now the name of it is going to escape me it's a poetry book it's an old high school poetry textbook or, or middle school. I don't know. Uh, and it's written by a man. Um, and it is absolutely fabulous because yeah. he really like, he kind of gets the boy brain and he talks about poetry in this way that really jazzes boys like poetry for war and poetry that has, you know, the, 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 um, kind of rhythm of a, an, uh, an army or that like he really, like my boys really grabbed it. And then he's got a bunch yeah. of poems in there that are really funny so they can memorize them and that sort of thing. Uh, oh, it, it's called the poet's know. eye. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm actually going to look this up while we're on here because this is such a good book and you get it for a song cause it's, it's an old textbook, right? It's small, yeah. but we would just read, you know, a couple of pages a day. Uh, I just can't remember the author's name cause there's a couple of books actually by the same name, the poets, the poets eye, which is a line from Shakespeare. Is it David Satina? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't anybody go out and buy it without checking the show notes because uh, there are several books by that same name. And this, <laughs> Oh, here it is. Uh, Alan Alexander. So yeah, I just pulled it up. 749. It's, it's just awesome. It's a really small book. It's something that you could, even if you read two pages a day, you'd be done it in a month probably. Right. And mm -hmm. just super fun poetry and super, um, I don't know. He just help, really helps you get it. So anybody who would say, Oh, I don't like poetry. If, they, if this is one of those books, if they read it, they would change their tune on, on poetry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. So, so I'm, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. <laughs> yeah, you are. Okay. It's, it's great. It's, I just need to remember to go back and listen to the episodes to jog my memory. Right. But I don't like listening to myself talk. I so. know that I had to, it took me a long time to get over that. You know, the gal who does my, um, like puts my episodes up and does all the show notes and all of that, Maurice, uh -huh. she was just fabulous. She, um, she has gotten all the episodes and put them in, like created a Google doc and put them in subject Oh, wow. Right? So she's got 
so say for example, um, dictation, then she'll have every time we talk about dictation in an episode, she's got that under dictation or math or, uh, uh, what other topics do we talk about? (laughs) You know, um, what's that? Yeah, discipline, whatever. And so there's all these topics that she's done and she's categorized all the podcast episodes. Now she, she adds them when she can. And, um, it's genius. So I want to find a way of sharing. I've got to ask her about it, but I want to find a way of sharing that document on, uh, on my website so that people, if they want to look up a specific episode, actually, I wonder if you could even share the document. I bet I could write in the show notes of the, of the podcast. And that way I can say, you know, we talked about Mm -hmm. that look under this category. We've talked about that several times, you know, often the emails that I get from people are often, do you have more episodes on such and such? Right. And it's one of the sort of flaws in the system of the podcasting that there's not like sort of a search function, right? Like you can't go on Apple podcasts and just go under my podcast and search dictation. Right. And it's, it's too bad because that would be a really, really helpful thing. You know how you can do that on a blog, right? If somebody's blogging about homeschooling, you can type in there, oh, you know, teaching kids to sew and it'll bring up anytime the author of the blog Mm -hmm. has has, uh, mentioned that. And, you know, you can tag things, you know, tag your blog posts as well, but they're, they don't have sort of a similar function for podcasts. So there's a couple of people who run websites, a couple of Mm -hmm. organizations that run websites that will have a search function, but then you have to have the website, right? Well, I already have a website. So yeah, it's a bit complicated. Um, Anyway, one of those things that uh, would be really valuable. So I'll find a way of embedding that. I'm going to write it down because I'll forget. (laughs) Because I'm not the one in the room with the memory. Embedding Google Doc. So you guys can all benefit, but yeah, it's hard to listen to yourself. It, that took me oh, a good six months of doing YouTube videos and things like that, that it was like, oh my gosh, this is yeah awful. <laughs> I know. And then I just got over it. I don't know why. What's that? You sound great. Well, I think because we hear differently yeah. than what other people hear. And yeah. that's just I think now I hear my own voice better. Like I... I, I, th- I think just from re- repeated uh, listening to myself, I hear my own voice better mm-hmm. now than I used to. Like, I think I have a more accurate picture of what my voice sounds like, right? Yeah, so you oh, just yeah. have to listen to yourself yeah. more. It's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it just humble myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so any other thoughts on that topic about sort of... Um, how to avoid fire hosing? I don't think so. I wonder too if if it's the kind of thing that if you're reading something from like a nonfiction, sort of a, a history text or or something along those lines, if uh, if just less per day would be yeah. valuable, right? Kind of well, because lessons down. I still run into the I just I I don't want to fail, you know. Yeah. And, I, and I, we've talked about this before. I know that there will be gaps in their education, whether they're homeschooled or in a public school mm-hmm. or in a private school. It's just, it's bound to happen. It yeah. has to do with brain development and what they're being taught and how interested they are. You know, yeah. there's a whole plethora of reasons. Um, but, you know, I, I just feel like I'm so, I don't want to say OCD, 
but it's just very important to me that I'm doing the best I can. And sometimes or often I feel like I'm falling short and, um, you know, it is helpful. My husband helps do a year at a glance for our, our homeschooling year. Right. And so for history, you know, where do we want to be, you know, by February, you know, 28th. Right. Um, and it includes like the extra fiction reading that goes along with history, just to be um, specific. And so we're actually not reading out of our history text right now. We're just reading Johnny Tremaine because that's, the time period we're in, in our history book. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just, I mean, it it feels really slow reading a chapter a day, but, um, I also found out that it was, it's actually an old Disney movie. One of those live action. Yeah. We actually had it. We watched it. The kids weren't just, I'm just going to qualify. The kids weren't super impressed. Cause it's very okay. slow. It's like a slow moving show. Okay. So I had bought it and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. One of our, you know, books we love and here it is in a movie. And they're like, mm, yeah, I'd rather read the book. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's good because my kids are always asking, Yeah, you know, is this a movie? And it is, and it's usually great. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it's entertaining enough for the ages my kids are. So maybe it's time for them to find a, a book made into a movie that isn't yes. <laughs> and it was probably done i don't know probably 1970 something yeah uh, yeah so so then they might get more out of it than mine did but yeah it was one of those things that i i uh, thought would be awesome and wasn't <laughs> yeah well i mean we like old movies like we just have you seen bells of saint mary's with ingrid bergman and- i have not no i've heard of it but i've, I've oh, not seen it yeah it's really good and it's a sequel to going my way okay so well, I highly Christmas recommend movies. No, neither are okay. really Christmas. Okay. Um, but they both, you know, it's it's a nun and a priest, and one of my daughters was walking around the house going, Look, I'm a sister, and she had this, you know, veil over her head pretending to be a nun. It was great. <laughs> I love it. Do you guys have a lot of dress up clothes? Um, yes and no. Okay. Um my daughters love dressing up. Although when my daughter turned five, it sort of faded. Right. Um, which I miss because she used to have princess dresses on all day, every day. Right. We found that as the kids got older, like probably by the time Brienne was, you know, 10 or 11, every historical period we studied, they wanted costumes for them. So I would go to the thrift store and make, you know, tunics and buy, I did that actually for my grandkids this year for Christmas. I bought, I went into this, (laughs) I went into a thrift store and they had a section that they called holiday sparkle. (laughs) There was all these sparkly shirts and I cut the sleeves off them. And so I went, I bought like seriously, like six sparkly shirts and I, I went up and she goes, Oh, you must love glitter. And I was like, yeah. but cut the sleeves off them made tunics and then over the years you know we'd get the kids nun and priest costumes and uh and you know bonnets and pioneer dresses and things like that mostly from thrift stores but it was so good because every time we were studying a historical period they would just go into total play mode of that historical period Oh, that's right. Awesome. So yeah, it was super fun. And it was just something that we collected over the years. We, and so when the grandkids come over now, that's one of the biggest ways they spend their time is just playing with the play, dress up clothes. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. 
We, I mean, the girls have a lot. The boys have some stuff, um, but it's more superhero costumes. Right, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, but we also, have you heard of the play silks? The no. Sarah's play silks. They're these colorful silk handkerchiefs, but they're huge. Oh, I would love that. And so um, <laughs> we, well, we have some off-brand ones. Okay. Fair. Um, I think we got them off Amazon and they're great. Yeah. And I mean, you can tie them as veils or skirts and, you know, run around. I mean, cool. it, it, and do they come in all different colors? Yeah. Oh. Well, the Sarah's, I think, is it Sarah's Silks or Sarah's Play Silks website? Um, has like tons of different ones. I actually wanted to get uh, one of my daughters, the tiger one. Right. Cause she loved tigers for a while and it was sold out for Christmas. So, I didn't get to but I do recommend that to anybody cause it's, it's great for versatile dress up yeah. type stuff. It's like the, I've seen people have shared that you can put them in the bathtub like, and then you have colorful bath and it's non-toxic. It's wow. great. Amazing. No, I've never even heard of them. That's fantastic. Well, should we call it a wrap, my dear? Sure. Okay, that was lovely. Lovely to see you. You too, as always. Yeah. Okay, God bless. We'll talk soon. All right. Okay, bye. bye.